Sunday rap hard. Sitting on no fun in their squad. What up, what up, what up, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are back in the vortex. This is Across the Intersection podcast. This is AJ. I'm in here with the whole crew, Eve and A Sizzle in the building. Hey, y'all. As always, you can get this podcast where podcasts are disseminated. That is Apple Podcasts, Google, all of the players. But we would love for you to come to our website first, divemedia.co. That is divemedia.co. And we are on all the socials at This Is Dive Media. And I can be reached on all the socials at Divinimous, D I V E N O M O U S. And I can be reached on uh, Twitter and Instagram at E to the V to the, as well as Linktree slash E to the Merch. Cool. Yeah, I can be reached at a very good idea.com. Check me out. So there we go, y'all. We in the building. Uh, we in the 21st century. We are in the 21st year. And we are on the 23rd day. Booyakasha. So we just going to keep it pushing. You know, I was I actually was looking at something the other day that they were saying how podcasts shouldn't do too much small talk and banter in the beginning. They were like, you should just get right to it. And I was like, man, but I thought people like the small talk and the banter. <laughs> so... Maybe so, y'all. For, for 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 those out there, if you're listening, we're gonna we, we're gonna try something different and just get right into it. How about that? We're just gonna jump right to it. Um, we'll see how this works. Yeah, we'll we'll see how this works. We, we're gonna cut out all the small talk and the banter that we know you love. All right, so let's let's get it. And you you know, for for those keeping up, we started talking about last week the church's money, right? Got into money and the church, and for for some people, this might be like an old passe topic. Like, yo, really? But remember, we're we're in a global pandemic, right? And you know, there are stimulus checks being handed out. There's all types of things going on, and it got us thinking. Well, how are churches handling this, right? If if people don't have no money. Nobody's throwing money in the bucket. If we can't have church meetings, mm-hmm. no, no, nobody can can put that money that folds that that quiet money, right? <laughs> nobody can't put that quiet money. So I want to start off this way. Um, a, you actually had a good point about some stuff that you heard on Clubhouse. So I, I want to, well, one good point. I thought it was hysterical. Um, Club. By the way, we're, we're on Clubhouse. We're going to try to do some stuff on Clubhouse. I know I've been saying that, but I have an idea for something that we're going to try. Y'all may see us pop up on Clubhouse. But anyway, what's Speaking the point? Speaking of which, I am E to the on Clubhouse. Oh, okay, I just wanted go. to say that. E to the on Clubhouse. <laughs> what What was the point that you told us about when you were seeing some preachers doing some particular thing on a Clubhouse? Why don't you let the people know about that? Uh, what I saw was... Uh, Apparently somebody had a room entitled something along the lines of pastors are now asking for cash apps, like with a question mark or something. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay. I don't know if I had a point, but I was just like, woof. Well, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I do have to say that, of course, what it illuminates to me 
you guys know I love the analogy or the the, the optics of painting one into a corner, you know, because I think it's hilarious. And so what what immediately comes to my mind is is the church system having painted itself into a corner in the corner of the necessity for finances, you know, God, you know, God uh, needs your money type thing. But the reality is when you've created the structure that requires constant uh, financial backing, then when that financial backing goes away, then my question becomes, uh, what happens to those church buildings? What happens to that land under it? Even churches like my, the church I grew up with has been around uh, since the Jefferson administration. So their building is, you know, long paid for, except actually that was a renovation project, but the building is paid for, but still you have to pay taxes on that land. You still have to maintain that old fancy building. And then for the people who are, you know, doing sort of churches in their, uh, local um, outside mall, strip mall, you know, the, the, the person who owns that property, you need to pay that person. So where, so how are these uh, properties being maintained while they're sitting there vacant? Um, uh, how are the mortgages being paid uh, for the, for the pastors and other ministers who have relied 100% on the salary from that church rather than from their other skills? Um, how are they able to feed their families? And then the dominoes just keep on falling regarding everything that the church did that required that constant money, even churches that have an endowment, right? You know, they might've dipped into that this year. The endowment might be gone. So endowment and then also loans from banks, loans from banks that are given based off of the pledges that come from the congregation that a lot of times congregation may not even be aware of. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, look, I'm no pastor. Thank goodness. Uh, and I'm no clergyman and, uh, you know, I don't envy them in those situations at all. Uh, but, but, um, but I think to gather a point <laughs> and not to be like the beginning of the boys in the hood, y'all want to see a dead body. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be <laughs> mean or anything like that. It's just like, woo, man. Can you imagine just like building yourself up on like this yeah. thing of uh, this machine that is is uh, totally and completely sub- subject to, you know, like the ways of the world, our world system, and it's it's um uh, yeah. volatility, and uh, if we were to be able to. Um, practice what the scriptures uh, teach, um, then uh, we we could be fortified against the, like a lot a lot of this stuff because really the scriptures are about the the family and us and assembly as we should as right. as families, but <laughs> for most people they can't and it's because of it it's because of the indoctrination that happens like before we can even talk for a lot of us mm. about going to these, these church buildings, um, we can't delineate the difference between assembling as a family and then going to a, a, a Sunday service in a, in a building. Right. It's just, you know, they, we can't make that distinction. And, and then on top of that, when you incorporate the role that that institution has played historically within our community, within the United States, within the Western world, 
it becomes even harder to separate uh, between the two. No. So now, so some people would about, do- Well, hold on. So, so when we talk about, because that's a good point. And what I want to sort of really, really dissect a, a little further is, is all of that, like, should we throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Because people will listen to that and then say, mm-hmm. okay, well, then how are we supposed to do it? Since y'all know best, how should we do it then, right? And so that that sort of line of thinking, I don't want people to assume that we are against Christians gathering together or against people meeting. The, the point that we are really trying to get at, and I really want to make sure that is illuminated for people, is because of the way in which we decided to build, and again, I'm using inclusive terms like we um not the he she him her mrs type stuff i'm talking about we as in the Uh uh i'm talking about we as in the body of christ because we have chosen to build a a particular way we have like eva said earlier we have painted ourselves in a corner and so when things change like they clearly have in 2020 and 2021 we are left with no recourse but to kind of try to beat water out of a stone, a la Moses, right? We're, we're, we're trying to beat water out of a rock because if people are not working, then clearly people are not giving, right? And I know that's not everybody, but either your finances have been restricted or you know they may have been taken away altogether. Then if that's the case, is it... it like, is it fair for me as a church leader or clergy or what have you to still impose the same requirements well, upon you to give? You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's what's yeah. going on. That's what's that's what's happening. Like, they're telling people you should still give. Yeah, we know you're only getting stimulus or we know you're only getting unemployment. Well, forget all that. You still need to give. And it's like, that's the piece about it. I'm kind of like, eh. I think the justification, yeah, I think the justification is from a pastor, for example, is that if I'm still giving you spiritual food, if I'm still doing my part, um, then 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 I should still be getting paid. And I don't think it's necessarily a fault of their own. For example, people who grew up saying I'm going to if people who grew up uh, believing in the professionalization of the clergy. And some people think that's the problem, but we'll get to that in a second. But the people who grew up with that said, okay, I'm going to get my bachelor's and then I'm going to go and get my MDiv and I might even get my DMIN and then I'm going to be appointed to a specific church. And as a person who's providing a service, right, shepherding a flock, yes, I should get compensated. We live in, in a capitalist society. And so in these days and times, that same person may say to his parishioners, I'm still doing my work. You still see me on Zoom two times a week. When you have marital problems, especially now that all y'all are having marital problems, I'm counseling you, blah, 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 blah. Um, they might say, well, the, you know, where, where's the compensation? And plus I have my own family to feed. Um, and I think that that brings it to a financial issue that I think we'll get into a little later, but I just want to at least plant the seed here. And that is when an economy takes a turn, it impacts the professional clergy, just like it impacts everybody else's industry or profession. And I think that 
is is something that uh, will cause us to say, should anybody, whether they are clergy or any other profession, be depending 100 percent on the finances that come from one source? Uh, but we'll get to, you know, the whole that that whole question a little later, but I just think that it's important that the reason people the people that people understand that part of the reason that a pastor might be having the same expectations is because he or she is providing the same service. Right, and I don't want to come across. And again, I I I want to make sure that our our language is clear because we do not want to come across like we're trying to beat up on church people. You know, sometimes when you go into touchy subjects like that, you know, people can get offended and think that we're trying to beat them up. But what I want to continue to to bring home, and Eva, you mentioned a, a really good point, the professionalization of ministry. If I'm providing a service, right, you're you're using, you know, very specific terminology, and, and I think that that's very good um, because that is the way in which people will look at service to the most high God is it is a professional service that I'm providing to someone as opposed to something that the most high has called me to. Right. And there's a passage of scripture that I just want to uh, bring to everyone's attention. If you look at second Thessalonians chapter three, Paul specifically talks about this and he talks about how he made sure that when he came amongst God's people, he was not a burden to them. And he was talking specifically financially. He said that I am not going to be a financial burden to you. When I come around you, I'm not going to try to eat for free. And he even says, I could. You know, this is because of what I poured into your life. I could come around like, hey, I'm the apostle Paul. You need to come up off that dough. But he said, I I'm choosing to not do that. I'm choosing to work with my own hands. And he tells them, imitate me, right? Imitate me. I am not, you know, afraid to utilize another skill set to get finances so that I'm not a burden to God's people. Come on, Avery. Dude, record what I'm about to say. No, we, I think I, we just we just been talking. We're going to start recording now. I, I think I just figured it out. The reason why the church has a has a, has a problem with the with men not, like not attending or not following, <clears throat> they have a low men turnout, is because the example that's set is an example of uh, um, dependency on like a congregation or on a group of people as opposed to being able to uh, um, create value and take care of yourself, which is something that's uh, put on a man to be able to to do. That's part of manhood. Every briefly, what is the difference though between a person who is a professional clergyman being dependent on that exchange and a professional engineer being dependent that his serve on the on the compensation for his services, et cetera. Well, that's a good question. So one is it's it's not the same thing because the product is completely different. The uh the <laughs> the, the, the the product of preaching is the uh the growth of of souls, hopefully. It's not to build an audience. It's not to build a fan base. It's not to build a um, uh, <clears throat> followership. 
but it is to decide. Well, hopefully, biblically, is to decipher. And that's so, a, so that's a good point, Eva. Is and I ask both of you guys: Is preaching the good news of the kingdom of God? Is that something that we should look at as a product? Like what you both just said. Like I think that that that, that goes into the professionalization. Of what you just said, because we're 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 going to say the conveying of the message of the kingdom of God is a product that or I service. should be or service that I should be paid for. Yes. I mean, yes. think about how we're how we're you know well, how we're really. But you saying just said it. it. But you just said it when you mentioned Paul. You said he has decided uh, that he would continue to to build tents, but if he wanted to, he could demand. So it seems like that question is answered if we're looking at Paul as an example. Well, see, the thing is, though, but what, what, what could demand demand that people would then turn around and, and give him? I mean, he can't demand nothing. Like, what could he demand? So you're going around and you're preaching all of a sudden, you demand somebody gives you something? I'm using that term, but what I mean is that there you live in a capitalist society and there's an expectation mm-hmm. that um, that if you provide a good or service, then you're going to be able to get the resources to support your I lifestyle. See. Yes. Okay. Okay. So when I use the term product to answer AJ's question, um, I was using it. I, I was using that term based off the, the, the lingo of professionalization. Mm-hmm. And but with that said, I mean, output of activity. So the output of the activity is something that is uh, actually about um, <laughs> how how much impact you can make on another on another uh, individual, not necessarily the, the metric numbers of physical people in which that listen to you. And so pastorship uh, unfortunately has a model that's based around exactly that. Mm-hmm. Now there are other things that they definitely do as far as leading baptismals or praying for people or visiting the sick and you know, all of that. That's that's blast up. That's really good. But those things are not the majority of activity that produces the money to like support the, 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 the profession. Would you, would you both say, mm-hmm. and this is something that I've grown to believe because yeah. I want to kind of pivot now because now we're, we're, we're getting somewhere. So we're, we're mm-hmm. talking about giving and when we're talking about giving, let's just keep it a hundo We're we're talking about tithes and offerings, right? Let's just go ahead and cut to the chase. Woo! You know, let's just peel that scab off. So when we're talking about when we're talking about tithes and offerings, um, the the one thing that I will start this conversation off, or the, at least this part of it off with, is saying is when we again, I, I love that phraseology, Eva, paint people into a corner, right? When we paint them into this corner that you have to give tithes and offerings, right? I think that what we actually do is limit people. And what I mean by that is you limit people because the potentiality is there for the person to give more than that. If they are are if they are given the ability like if if they're taught first of all and then they're given the ability to follow the spirit of God, right? Well, and, that's what the offering part, though, is. Remember, they what they usually the way that it's couched is the tithe is the ten percent that you're obligated. Of course, we I think all of us here, you know, know that that 
is often misinterpreted. But the way yeah. that people um, use it is the 10 percent is your base and then your offerings, you know, go for it. Right. Right. And that's where I think the, the painting of the people into a corner occurs, because, you know, one of the things I love to point out about tithes and offerings is why are they not synonymous? Right. Because if you look at law of first mention, the tithe is actually not something that God demanded. It was something that was freely given. Yep. Right. And God accepted it like, yo, OK, I'll take that. Thank you. But can you remind the listeners about the first mention of tithe of in, the 10 percent? Sure. It's in the book of Genesis mm-hmm. um, when Abraham chose to give to Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see it again with Jacob when J- right after he wrestles with the angel. And he, you know, he gets the little broken hip, y'all. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact addresses, but you can go look these up. Um, it's Genesis when Abraham meets Melchizedek um, during the time that he goes to battle with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he chose and he chose to give Melchizedek ten percent or a tithe of the spoils of the battle, and then after. Jacob has the dream where he wrestles with the angel. These are the first two times you see tithe in the scripture. Yeah. Jacob wrestles with the angel, and then it says that when he wakes up, he gives a tithe to God. Those are two things that are actually man-originated, human, human-originated. So the tithe is actually an offering. So when we tell people, yo, you got to give that 10%, you paint them into a corner. These guys just happen to say, I want to give God 10% of this thing. They could have said 20. They could have said 50. They could have said 100. And then when you get all the way to Acts, right, when you read Acts chapter 5, you see the people of God selling like everything. They're like, yo, we just, we, we about that life. Like, hey, we going to sell everything. And I love the response of Peter to um, there's one couple in in Acts five, Ananias and Sapphira, who you know they sell the land and they only try to give a piece of it, and you know the the whole story, right? Or maybe you don't know the whole story, but if you're listening, you can go read Acts chapter five. It's also in there. Again, I forget the exact address because I'm not looking at the scriptures, but it's in the book of Acts around the fifth chapter. And he tells them, he says, "Yo, you didn't have to give us nothing. The land was yours." What are you lying about? Like, why are you lying? We don't care. If you didn't want to give up no money, just keep your money. <laughs> right? So, again, I think when we put people in these restrictive situations, we yeah. sort of open up the door to lying and deception and confusion as opposed to just teaching people about what biblical giving is and then say, hey, look, man, give whatever you want, right? Because we are going to build in a particular way where it's not going to be solely dependent on what you give. But because we, and I say we again purposefully, we choose to build in a particular way, we then paint ourselves in this corner, right? We paint ourselves in that corner where it is, you have to give this, 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 and this. Pandemic, schmandemic, you're going to come up off that bread. You're you're right, man. And it reminds me a little bit of like, startup companies and building a startup company and how um, there is this there's this popular process of uh, pitching, going through pitch competitions and like asking people for money and by people, it ends up invariably being investors and then at some point venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. 
who, by the way, usually say no an overwhelming majority of the time. Of that's like their favorite word is no. They can't give and to everybody. They do, huh? They can't give to everybody, invest in everybody. Well, yeah. So, so, and what they, and, and what they typically do is lend to the, to, to the, to their friends, families, and neighbors, to be honest. Uh, that's what's not be, that's what's not said. Uh, though, um, what happens is when you do, let's say for, let's say you end up being like the, that one in a million person who gets it, right? Like you, there's strings attached to the money and you have to have returns, right? That are, that are year over year, a quarter over quarter, like growing. Well, that's the problem with capitalism in general and the stock market and pensions and all of that is that these yes. companies have to continue to increase in value. But what if there's no more world yes. that exists? What Unsustainable, if man. What if, what if there's no more raw material available? How can you increase the money year after year after year? So, um, I'm about to give you an offering just for that. Good. You know, my cash out. My cash out. <laughs> <laughs> right, make sure y'all got the cash out ready for this brother, man. Yeah. So so um so anyway, there's another there's another model that is not talked about a lot and for obvious reasons because um there aren't people on 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 the other side of it that have that have uh that are the money lenders per se. And that's um well, one, funding something yourself, and then two um, grants and, um, ch- and, and charity, uh, but, but, but they're grants. Now these grants tend to be more so about like not frivolous creations, but things in which that are actually useful within society, but there are grants and these grants mean that you can get funding for your, for what it is that you're doing with those strings attached. Um, I mean, no economic strings attached. And so, uh, in the same, but, but that business, how you build it would be completely different than a quote unquote high growth startup company that has received venture capital, angel investment and venture capital, um, that are pushed to have profits regardless of relevancy or even truthfulness of what it is that they're creating. So in the same manner, when it comes to like the church model, what tends to be the common thing to do is, whoa, well, you know, you go and you get a job with these itin- uh, itinerant, as an itinerant preacher with these already established church institutions who the networks, have these yeah, the networks, yeah, these networks, right? You um, or you participate in some kind of like parachurch ministry. Uh, you um, might, <clears throat> excuse me, might be a part of like I don't know some kind of organization or whatever that has a network maybe tied to the Southern Baptist Connect convention. I was going to say Southern Baptist connection, Southern Baptist convention, so on and so forth. That's like the, uh, the, the West side connection It's the West side connection, Southern Baptist they, connection, you know, the gospel music workshop of America, <laughs> whatever, but all of these thick networks who are backed by the government, by the way, like once you go high, high enough up, you discover that, um, when you when you become dependent on these um oh um there's also what the uh um what is it what is the uh the church of apostles yeah church of apostles what, what does it call y'all 
the, the, the east side connection? Um, it's know. not called that. <laughs> Crazy. No, no, no. But basically, it's a, it's a Pentecostal, Pentecostal joint. But, yeah. um, you know, you have the Southern Baptist Convention. You have the, oh, Church of God in Christ. That's one. Mm-hmm. You have, all these are like registered institutions with the government. Yeah, they're denominations. Yeah, so, so, yeah. Let me, so, so oh, let me yeah, ask you guys. So, no, because you just yeah, brought up a good point. A, yeah, I'm not, right, I don't want, I don't, don't want to lose that point. Okay. What do you guys think about what A just mentioned? He said a lot of these larger networks and groups are backed by the government. And so, what are your thoughts on assemblies of God? Assemblies oh, okay, of God. yeah, I've okay. heard of them. Mm-hmm. Because we have chosen to <clears throat> build in this manner, right? It is almost like the way we build. It is. 100% dependent on us always being in the good graces of the of the governmental power structure right like if the government were to ever look at christianity let's just keep it 100 the way that it looks at islam right let's just say one day the us government decides to view christianity the way that it views islam I we, think mosques have the 501c3 as well, so but, I don't know. Uh, what I mean by they're not as hostile. They're not as hostile towards yeah. the, the, the faith in general. Yeah. Like, can we continue to build in the same manner? Once the, once the, the tide turns and things become more hostile right. towards mm-hmm. uh, well, I, I, I hear you. I will argue that it's sort of, I will argue that it's, 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 it's um, it's headed that way, yeah. Already, yeah. it's already hostile, but uh, because you can't. I mean, we are at the point, especially with this with this new administration. Oh, we are at the point where uh, where it's going to get hostile. Like the the message is going to be even more watered down, and so you will be an outlaw. The truth will be gangster, and you're not going to be able to build these. Uh, Coliseums or these, uh, <laughs> these 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 uh, places where you're speaking things in which are antithetical, anti-government or antithetical to the interests of the government, like you know <laughs> the thing. So you saying Joe Osteen is in trouble? You're saying? The, well, that, I'm not that saying that he's in trouble because really he Houston. <laughs> he doesn't speak the truth, so he's not in trouble. Woo! Like, hold, like, hold on. Like, Sound yeah, when you actually start speaking the truth, because the truth is not politically correct, and these churches, in order to exist, have to be correct to po- to the politics of the day. Therefore, they have to be subject to the the ways, <laughs> the whims and ways of the of the, of the government. And so, and so, uh, in order for in order for someone to survive, you know, I mean, it's going to be like Book of Eli out here. Like you, you can't. Be, I mean, you're going to be eating cat food. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like. You're 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 you you have to be able to build on a model that's sustainable for the environment. Okay. So, so what do you what do you think? So either? are you all well? I see because it's it sounds like you're saying that the church should deliberately drive itself underground. Yes, I should. Yeah, I, I, already, I agree with that. Due to a we are already underground. We're already here. Yeah. You talking about the remnant? Here. You talk about the remnant, the people who aren't sort of in the the superstructure. This is just, yeah, this is just the fat getting lipo sucked out of, you know, the funk master flex of the body of Christ. Is he got like, like yeah, your your analogy is going everywhere with that. Yeah. So, so Eva, but I I, I just want to hear your thoughts. What do you think about that piece in terms of us choosing to build how we build? 
and it puts us always needing to be in the good graces of the current power structure. Yeah, I think that's dangerous. But the, the issue is that I think most people don't see it that way. For example, we mentioned 501c3 and our listeners are astute enough to know what that means. But does Mama Johnson in, you know, uh, you know, Charlottesville Free Will Baptist Church, does she even know that, you know, that that's what's supporting the the uh, financial viability of her church? Like a regular sort of person who has been attending and sitting in the same pew every Sunday for 50 years, do they know that? So I think that the problem is that people, first of all, don't realize uh, the government um, the support, government support of these institutions right. in the first place. Right. Um, and I think that's a starting point, you know, because then they'll be like, well, what happened to my church and what's going on? And wait a second, isn't all this supposed to be about God? And then not realizing what really happened. Go ahead. Andy. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I think that I guess go, when I say building on a model that's sustainable, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about anything that, that the Bible doesn't already lay out. Mm. Um, and that's to, if you don't work, you don't eat. I mean, it's a pretty simple concept. And that oh. the, um, the family unit uh, is an example of ministry. It's chief ministry. Uh, it's, the, it's the paramount place of ministry. And, um, and, and so we're, we're very, it's a lot of people are very much outside of that. And because, because many of us are outside of that, we're suffering the consequences of, of, of this. I mean, I remember, I, I seen the people throughout the years build, lean their, lean their ladders up to this, to this building, to this, uh, building built on sand. I've seen it. And then when you try to have these conversations with them, they don't listen to you. Yeah. They don't listen. They smile, they nod, and then they keep it pushing because they do what's, what, what's always, what I'm not even going to say what's always worked, what they're used to. Yeah. No? Yeah. Well, to answer to answer AJ's question, yeah, ultimately, I think it's dangerous um, if you if you really believe if you truly believe that what you have um, is is existential truth, right? Something that predated and will be far beyond or move uh, into the future far beyond this capitalist system and this political structure that we live in, then you need to make sure that the way that that's expressed within this environment um, isn't dependent on that. So capitalism will have its peaks and valleys. The political system will have its peaks and valleys. But if you believe in the metaphysical realm <laughs> that there are things that, you know, came before that undergird that will come after this particular uh, reality that we live in, then, of course, you don't want to tether that metaphysical reality to uh, politics and right. to, um, you know, to the financial system at all. Um, and so, yeah, we need to come together as communities of faith where everybody is putting their talents to that community. So you don't have one person who's, who's, who the whole community is dependent upon. And then that person can't have a job or can't have a business because they're spending all their time being the support of that community. So I think that all of this begs the question of when you're connected to a community of faith, is everybody contributing whatever their talent is so that everybody can have balance in their lives and not end up um, dependent on it? financially because they don't have the time to do other things that will support them financially. So Eva, you, you actually bring up another good point. You, you guys are pretty sharp this morning. 
It's almost like we was arguing for two hours before we got on or something like that. I don't Oops. know. <laughs> anyway, no, but you you bring up a, a, a very good point <clears throat> that I want to delve into because one of the things that the professionalization does is you're right. It funnels all of everyone's sort of spiritual attention and focus in one general direction. And this is one of the things that I, I like to to tell people you know, you guys know that my wife and I, we run a uh, homeschool training business where we try to help families who want to transition from mm-hmm. right institutional learning into homeschooling, virtual learning, et cetera. And so one of the things that we tell them from the off the jump, we say homeschooling your children is going to require a tremendous more from you, tr- a tremendous amount more from you, the parents, than it normally does to put your children in school. Right. Because you are now going to have to do all of that heavy lifting. Right. That we dump on teachers. Shout out to teachers. Y'all do a y'all do a lot of work. I mean, I mm-hmm. teach, but it's at the college level. You know, we talk about like elementary, you know, really, yeah. dig, you know, really getting it in. Right. So those teachers who've been doing all that heavy lifting, we tell parents, all right, now you are going to have to do that heavy lifting. And I. I believe that that is something that can be equated to when we are talking about, again, the way in which we choose to build. Because of the professionalization, everyone's spiritual focus and attention is now placed in one general direction, and husbands and fathers, the responsibility that they would normally have to shepherd their families, they no longer have because we just go to church now and we listen to this one guy talk. And so mm, that right. that that heavy lifting that I would do, I no longer have to do, right? But you're right, Eva, because then what that does is that puts that particular leader in a position where they cannot go, you know, exercise any other skill set because I am now burdened with the responsibility of doing all of this unnecessary heavy lifting that I probably was not designed to do. I'd love for mm, us, you know, we that's another in a, thing. Yeah, in a in a future episode, we we may talk about a, a little bit of these spiritual gifts and and titles mm. and offices. But you know, shepherding and and pastoring is not a one on one thing. I'm sorry to burst people's bubble. What did um what did Moses' father in law tell him? Mm, he said yeah. the, he said the way in which you are judging Israel is unwise. To be an elder, to be a leader is not a one-on-one interaction. That is macro level. Moses was trying to make it a one-on-one thing. I'm going to sit down and judge every individual matter. Bring it to me. You mm-hmm. Next, you know, next. He said, bro, the what you're doing is completely foolish. And by the way, by the way, uh, Jethro was a pagan. Okay, so for those of us who can't listen to people who don't <laughs> abide by this scripture, boom. Right, exactly. Who huh? Was was Moses's uh, father? Yeah, he was a Midianite. Correct. Yeah, Mo- Jethro was a Midianite, and that's exactly right. So the the way in which we've made these things a one on one transaction when they were never designed that way, we've taken the the responsibility of fathers and husbands to do heavy lifting, and we funneled it all in one general direction, and so now. This particular church leader with this title, they have to build in a particular way. 
And so I think it's it's multifaceted in which we have to sort of deconstruct the way in which we're building as we sort of get back to this financial piece. I need to make a parenthetical statement. And I think that a lot of people Ooh, have experienced, I think a lot of people <laughs> who believe that they've experienced what we call church hurt or what we call um, uh, uh, spiritual uh, abuse um, may in part be because of what you just said, AJ. There's one person who has been trained to think that he should be an expert in every aspect of, you know, exegeting Old and New Testament scripture, an expert in Hebrew, an expert in other uh, ancient languages. In addition to that, he should be an expert in being able to lead diverse people through all kinds of things going on in society. In addition to that, when that married couple and that married couple and that married couple have issues, he needs to be an expert in being able to help them through them. In addition to that, he's a grief expert so that he goes to the, the hospitals and to the funeral homes. So, and, and of course, it's so and he's a financial expert. So a lot of times what a lot of these pastors have done is with that expectation, they've done one thing really well, which is probably what they should have focused on and everything else they've done very badly if they didn't have the humility to allocate. Um, one of the churches, one of the few churches that I've been involved in in my whole life, uh, the, the person who was a pastor is actually a playwright. OK, let's keep it real. He's a playwright and he's very good at it, but he's a playwright. You know, he puts on Christian plays globally, puts on Christian plays here, um, and it teaches a lot of really important biblical principles, right? And unfortunately, what people have done upon going to those plays have said, well, I want some more of this, this biblical truth. Why don't we start a church? No, 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 no. This is a parachurch ministry. But, you know, people like that will be pulled in you know, to following what people say that they want instead of saying, actually, this is my skill set. Let's find people who are actually teaching the truth of scripture, et cetera. But anyway, so a lot of times that's where a lot of the church hurt has come from because a person who actually isn't a leader or a person who actually isn't good at counseling or whatever has tried to do those things. And so then you have a situation, you know, a kind of messed up situation that you see now. For those, uh, shout out to those Christian plays. You were, you were waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, once you said Christian playwright, I was like, oh, I was like, just don't drop no names, please. Oh, no, I'm not going to no, do that. I, I really no respect and love this this man, but, you know, it's, it is it is what it is. Well, I'm going to just say this. <laughs> With all due respect, we, are we about to get one of those? <laughs> I'm just going to say this. Look, I got 99 problems. <laughs> but a church ain't one? But a church ain't one. Mm. <laughs> clergy ain't one let yeah. me tell you that right now hey, so I, I don't envy that position at all uh, I, I I think that um, it's going to be a very broad brushing polarizing and, and offensive statement but the truth you know the truth is offensive and whenever you get detailed in certain things you, you're going you, you, somebody's going to be offended um I think that a lot of people take shortcuts and the easy way out in life. Mm. And it catches up to them as they get older. Uh, a lot of people look for accolades. They look for um, being in positions of authority. Uh, but they don't necessarily have a requisite skill set that 
increases in value that's not necessarily like based on their personality. Hmm. I don't think it's limited to being clergy at all. Um, for those Just politicians that, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For those, I mean, actors, actresses, you know, whatever. Um, don't you do it. <laughs> no, I can talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it's, it's, it's said that, uh, Washington D.C. is Hollywood for ugly people. I don't know if anybody ever heard that. Wow. Which is politics is Hollywood for ugly people, meaning that um, it's it, th- there's a certain personality type that needs to be adored by uh, by people. There's an old term called demagogue, which is somebody who riles up the people. It's a personality type. Um, it's an is as it has, it has existed time immemorial. Anyway, um, it tends to manifest itself within our current day in certain kinds of uh, career paths, so on and so forth. So, because um, my scout Mitch is not going to be an actor, you know, just just not going to quite happen. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I just, um, I, 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 I think that a lot of people do take, I mean, shortcuts. They don't take the time to like study something to to develop a a real skill or a real trade. They are um, good with their, they, 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 they're good with their mouths. They're good with like very subjection, su- su- subjective content. Uh, and they, they're just great at, at, at honestly gaining people's confidence. And they use that as a springboard to, to have some kind of like, you know, satisfy their own personal economics to make money. And you see it look no more than, I mean, look how long Clubhouse has been out. Not very long, less than a year. How to make a million dollars, how to do this, how to do that. Buy my book, buy my courses, so on and so forth. You can't tell these people nothing. Cash at me, you know. Um, I have this book, Manifesting, Manifesting, Manifesting. And <laughs> somebody wrote a, somebody had a, a funny uh, a funny little uh, Instagram, and it's true a little post that said, Hey, um, I'm going to show you how to make a million dollars, right? Uh, have one person give me, have, a, have, have, um, share this post a million times. I have one person give me a million dollars <laughs> and then I will, you know, I'll, <laughs> then I'll give you, I'll share with you my secret on how mm-hmm. to make a million dollars, Yeah, you know? And, this, that's an old trope and statement, but that disease, and I call it disease, that disease, that mental, that mental hangup, you know, I'm about to turn it racial, but I, I, I really, I see it, that, that mental disease, that flim flam is something that plagues our community uh, throughout generations. It just gets passed down and passed down and passed down. And then when you call it out, oh, you hating, Oh, you putting your 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 mouth on you know you you putting your mouth on the man of God all or the woman of God and you know all these statements uh, when it is like you're spit, you're spitting facts and you're spitting truth. Oh, you don't have faith, you know. Join the susu, uh, oh, join man. the join the join the network marketing thing. Come join the forex. You don't have faith. You don't have faith. You don't have faith. You know, or join the join the Tulsa real estate fund, the trap. You know. 
and we're going we're going to fight back against justification. Now you lost your five hundred, your thousand dollars, and now you're trying to sue the guy. You know. Well, let but me let me ask you guys this question then. Yeah, come on. Is it is it because of what some of what you just described that I don't want to use for lack of a better term what we're now building is not pandemic proof, right? Because mm-hmm. now we're in a situation where a lot of people can't work, a lot of people can't do what they were doing before. And if you, I'm going to keep stealing Eva's term, but if you're painting yourself into this corner and then things shift on you, right? Things shift. And I, and I, and I don't mean like a little, thumbs up, but what we see now, a macro yeah. level, very large shift um, in in multiple areas of life, what we end up um, or what we were building ends up crumbling or potentially crumbling unless we start to really lean on people, you know, mafioso style for for that bread, right? Does it put us in a place where? Because this is this is where for me it it gets troublesome when you have to start really leaning on people financially. So again, you you take them you take from them the opportunity to just freely give and generously give because now it's like, hey, what's up on that Brit? You know, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. Um, because things have changed out of your control, right? Some of it some of it may have been devious, but a lot of it may have not been. They're just subject to corona like we are. But they have been building in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, what's the question? Are we are what we're building not pandemic proof? We we make it okay. Yeah, are we making it not pandemic proof? Yeah, and I, and I think that's something that um, everybody uh, who is in a not just pastors we're talking about pastors or, or church leaders, but I think this is something that everybody should take as uh, a cautionary tale and something that would actually spark them to to do something about it. And one thing that helps your life to be pandemic proof is diversifying, um, not just having one bucket um, and that's where you're feeding your whole lifestyle from. So, you know, whether you're investing, um, whether whatever, whatever your other, you know, sort of streams are coming from, you know, without having to get a bunch of jobs, there has to be diver- or or at minimum, if, you, if you're getting all your income from one place, then diversify how you're, you know, how, how you're investing that. But there has to be diversity somewhere. Otherwise, even if it just takes another even if it takes another hundred years for another pandemic to come, as it did last time, there's going to be something that disrupts the economy in a different way. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to make that practical because I can yeah. hear somebody say, well, you've been hating on the, the network marketing, but I'm not diversified, you know? So mm. to make okay. it, to make it, hating on the network marketing as in me, I was hating on the network marketing. Mm-hmm. The people, when they say that, that's the same stuff that network marketers use to come in and they flim flim you out all your money or the susus and the whole Just thing. over broke. You job, your right, job exactly, means you're just exactly. over broke. Where are you in this pyramid? You know, oh, you have managers and there's a there's a is a president, where are you Where are you exactly in this pyramid? Your um, job is a pyramid, I'm not right. just a pyramid, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So um, just to give some practical examples of diversifying, so I have a job, which uh, uh, I have a house, you know, now we're moving into different kinds of assets. So a job brings in uh, um, liquid amounts of money frequently. Then I have a house, 
which accumulates value in the long term. You mean uh, equity or are you actually renting it out? I rent it out. Okay. So I accumulate equity to help to pay off the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, also frees me up to live somewhere else. But so that's two things right there. So regular job that I increase in value, right? Every year. There's also um, the house, right? Then there's also, I have a software company that is starting to increase in value uh, as I uh, am able to gain grants. And um, at some point I'll be able to generate sales. So that's three things, but I've been gaining grants off that. So that's, that's three actual things right there, right? Mm-hmm. Then I'm, then I have begun to, well, also with the job, there's a 401k that's attached to that, mm-hmm. that my company matches. Mm-hmm. And when I work in different places, I try to make sure I max it out. And, and the 401k is rolling the IRAs and leave somewhere and go somewhere else. So that exists. Um, I also uh, have started to get into uh, cryptocurrency and the cryptocurrency is increasing in value as I make my purchases. So those are five things right there. And are you adding other investments, other uh, uh, shares of companies? Or do you say that you have additional investments besides crypto as well? Uh, as far as like stocks, no, like not individual stocks. There are people who do that. And if people want to do that, by all means, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but my point is none, of, five. In, in none of that five is, is network marketing. <laughs> in none of that five is a fire circle. In none of that five is uh, me trying to basically like I'm buying lotto tickets, even though the lotto is fairer because you kind of know what's going to happen. Everybody puts in somebody, somebody's going to, you know, win. So it's, it's, there's a form of equality with that, even though, you know, your chances are very minimal, but I'm not sitting here lying to you that you're going to become this six figure person or whatever. And you, and also none of that, what he mentioned, it involves anything that he may want to do for lack of better term ministry wise. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. If 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 you want to do something yes. per se of a spiritual nature, right? I I, I want to start some kind of ministry. I want to do this. I want to do that, because you have chosen. All of us have chosen to continue to refine other skill sets. We can build in a in such a manner that the thing that we're quote unquote doing, and this circles back to one of our earlier points, the thing that we're quote unquote doing for the Lord. Right, quote unquote. I'm using air quotes here for those of us in the business. You know, it's professional lingo there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't have to look at it as a product and or service where I need compensation for. Right. I can look at it as something that I am freely given, and so I am freely giving. And I think that's where you kind of go to the core, to the core of what we're talking about, and. The core of what we're talking about is really uprooting a particular foundation on which we build. I think if you want to go to seminary and you want to study church history and you want to do that stuff, more power to you. If that interests you, that's great. Like, you know, some of that stuff is really interesting. Like, I love researching church history. So I do that sometime on my own. So people who may go to seminary and who may get advanced degrees, if that interests you, hey, Continue to do that. If you're listening to this show and you happen to be enrolled, listen, I was going to go get a master's in divinity. 
I had gotten accepted to Regent University. That's where I was going, right? I'm glad God kind of called me out of that, but that's where I was headed, right? I was going to get an MDiv. So if that's if if that's your thing, this is not to say don't do that. But what we are saying is don't then take that as a license to now turn the message of the kingdom of God into a product and or service. Because if you do that consistently, you do two things. You rob people of the opportunity to be able to give you more than what you're looking for and be you paint yourself into a corner when things, when the times and seasons around you change, when the times and, and, seasons and you around also, you, change, you, you can't, you can't pivot and adjust. And you also paint yourself in a corner when you change. So we're talking about ideology. We're talking about spiritual ideology over the course. It's not something that a 22 year old who's getting an MDiv would think about, but over the course of the seasons and chapters of your life, do you want to be free to explore your faith further? Or do you want to be pinned in to what the tenets of the denomination tell you you need to teach? Right. You might discover something. You might discover, for example, that, you know, the Sabbath is on the seventh day instead of the first, just as an example. And your denomination, you know, says it's on the first. And to you, that's important. Well, now you're caught. You can't even grow and develop. and, And you might even, you know, you can't even have a season of discovering whether that's even important and then coming back to you don't have any choices there so just think over the course of your lifespan um you're going to grow and develop and you might find yourself uh advanced from or outside of of the limits of the doctrine that you got your mdiv or demon in and you'll be out of a job so you know why tether your uh income to something like that not only that, you, yeah. know, you you actually bring up a very good point. What if you don't change? What if those around you change, right? Mm. And you may be in a space to say, I need to separate myself from these cats because they are wilding out, right? Mm. But again, if that's what puts food on your table, it's probably a very difficult decision. You know, if, for, for those of you who remember, there was a big hubbub with the Southern Baptist Convention last year, right? And uh, Yep. Folks were asking, why aren't these pastors cutting bait with the SBC? They're doing this, they're doing that. And it's like, well, if it's not clear to you why they're not cutting bait, I don't know what to tell you. Like these guys, that put food on their table. Why Mm -hmm. would they cut bait? And they don't have another skill set in order to be able to fall back on, which is why I brought up the scripture in Thessalonians where Paul reminds the Thessalonians that, hey, I have another skill set to fall back on. So if y'all want to get funny, Right. If y'all want to get funny, it's all gravy. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's where we have to that's where we have to watch how we're building, you know, and, you know, watch the way in which we're building. So as we come around third base, I actually want to throw this out there, you know, because as I've gotten older, I've changed my view on this. Mm. And. I want to just get your guys' thoughts on this because we we don't have a this week in the news this week, but I think that this will serve you know as a good filler. So you remember about you know I don't know five seven years ago when Mister Lecrae Moore was making this sort of shift, right? I'm not a Christian Uh-oh. rapper. I'm not a Christian rapper anymore. I'm just want to be a rapper, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know that that whole. Remember, no, I'm a rapper who is a Christian. Sure. Yes. Sure. Right. And you don't call Kendrick a Christian rapper. 
He was saying something. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a right. Hebrew he said, Israelite, but that's yeah. different. He said, "He said I'm I'm just a rapper. Yeah, you you, you don't call this person that. You so why are you put me in that box? Just right? so Christian right. plumber, things like that. Yeah, exactly. And so I remember, you know, people of the ilk of some other rappers that we know. I'm not gonna name any names. Who uh-oh, was, you know, who, who who was really putting sand on his brother's grave? They was putting dirt on his grave, right? And now, as I've gotten older, you know, I'm looking at those cats. And I'm looking at Mr. Moore. And you know what I realized? I said, okay, he made a conscious decision to, and this is the part that went unseen. We all saw the public face part. Oh, he's not a Christian rapper anymore. But what went unseen was he was beginning to sever the ties between his sort of faith life and his business ventures. He his was, vocation. Yeah, he was starting to say, hey, wait a minute. This is what I do and what I want to continue to do as I represent God. But this stuff mm-hmm. over here, this is just business. I got to put bread on my table. And so now mm-hmm. you see this guy, he's in a particular place. I don't know if you guys keep up with him, but I actually keep up with him now because my view on it has changed. And so yeah. he actually signed to Columbia Records last year, right? Mm-hmm. But then he left Columbia Records within a couple of months. Because they were not going to allow him to continue to do the things that he wanted to do in his own time. Like, I want to continue to represent God in these oh other God. areas. They prevented, they were going to prevent him from doing that? Of course. That's Woo. Columbia Records. But here's but the, no, but here's, he had the power to be exactly. able to. Here's the, that's the amazing yes, part. That's but he, he had the ability. Think about it. Secular rappers can't even do that. Right, these worldly cats got to be beholden to these record labels. Lecrae yes, put set himself up so well that he was able to say, "Nah, you know what, Columbia, I'm good. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. go back over here and continue to do my Reach record stuff." I was like, yeah. "Man, that's powerful! Like, that's the kind of stuff that people actually are not talking about because he mm-hmm. wanted to still do like some charity work and stuff like that." And Columbia's like, "Nah, bro, you got to be about these albums. Like, what's popping? You know, we we have a schedule. You you got to put this work in." And I just found it phenomenal that everybody was kicking dirt on his grave years ago just for the fact that he didn't want to have a title of a Christian rapper. But what he's really doing is displaying power. The king, yeah. like the Bible says the kingdom of God is not of talk but of power. And so he's able to go into these rooms with these record execs and say, no, I'm good. I'm going to go back over here and just do my reach record stuff. That to me spoke volumes because I, I don't know what he does in his private life. That's his business. But mm-hmm. what it showed me is that he has flexibility now. If God were to tell him to do this or do that, he now has positioned himself with a certain amount of flexibility to be free enough to do some things there it that, is. that all them people like that were kicking dirt on his grave probably cannot do mm. they pro- because they're either beholden to a church or they're beholden to a denomination or they're beholden to some network that he's probably not. Now, does he do everything perfect? No, of course not. I'm talking about this one particular situation. So what, yeah. what are you guys' thoughts on that? I think God has called us to be free. I'm one of the people who, when back when um, when this was happening, I was actually uh, listening to actually what another Christian rapper, Shai Lin, was saying, which which is there's some people who rap for the church and there's some people who rap from the church, and shifting that does not make somebody any less a believer. Um, uh, Lecrae decided to rap from the church. In other words, he decided to be a person who is a believer, but 
you know, and, and to express that in his lyrics, but not to limit his lyrics to evangelizing people who are already believers. So I think that the freedom that God has called us to, you know, I think he's expressing that in, in, in the highest possible way in the sense that he has his his uh, his ability to, to support his lifestyle. And then because he has that and he's built that foundation, he can do what he wants with his life. Um, and he's not beholden to what a company says. He's not buck dancing before anyone. He's not saying yes, sir, massa. So more power to Lecrae. Imagine if these preachers had that capability as well. That's Imagine. A, that's why I yeah. wanted to use that as an example. Imagine if these yeah. preachers who were using your words buck dancing for 45 you know a, a while back when oh my had gosh. Them all in the oval office yeah they had to do that because they were beholden to this government right yeah and they like a lot of those guys they just really don't have a mind so they don't they, they 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 just they're not built that way you know they don't really have the mindset to be able to like do things that are beyond what is culturally acceptable like for example John Gray. I'm just using him as an example. All John Gray is, and I can tell you, I'm sure he probably has a had a vision board that said, "I'm the next TD Jakes." Like, oh man, he's a. I mean, think about it. He's a modern TD Jakes. Like, but just like, really, <laughs> you know, a lesser charismatic version. But you can tell that he followed. He's like a hybrid TD Jakes and Tyler Perry. That's like his. That's what he is. Like, if you mix them in a blender, that's what you would have. He's a John Gray. No, think about it. Think about it. Like, like there's no diss on what he looks like or anything. You know, it's just think about it. So, with, you know, with, he, with all due respect, I get it. I get so, it. No, no, I think about it. Think about it. So, he was, a, remember, he was a comedian, right? Remember, John Gray was a stand up comedian. He was a quote unquote Christian comedian. I don't know if you remember that. You I actually that? don't. I don't know his history yeah, that, that yeah, far back. I didn't know that. In the mid-2000s, he'd be on TBN. He was a Christian comedian. Like He'd be running around like just doing comedy. And he I, decided that pastor was his next step. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know where that came about, but it, he went from being a stand-up comedian to now he's like presiding over these, you know, he's doing like messages and presiding over a church. But, you know, with that said, if you look at his back, you look at some of the stuff that he was aiming to do, he's coming out with books, coming, uh, uh, trying to be um, on television. Wow, you're right. Yeah, this is from like 2005, 2006. He's doing comedy. This is crazy. Yeah, he he he, he then uh, wanted to be a playwright and come, come out with like movies and whatnot. Same shit T.D. Jax doing, even though T.D. Jax took from T.D. Jax over through the 90s and the 2000s, you know. Um, but he's just basically like a, a T.D. Jax 2.0. The problem is, and he's just one example of many, the problem is, is that the environment is not the same as it was in the 90s and even the 2000s. The, the institutional church was still strong back then. So... You could be this celebrity that runs around and you're not subject to criticism and you don't get instant feedback on how trifling you are. You couldn't get that back then. You can get that now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You can get so, that smoke, player. You yeah, can get you all that, the smoke. Yes, yes. You can get that smoke now. And so that's why hitching your wagon to a celebrity <laughs> blueprint is not the way to go today and age. It's almost good. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give you a secret here. 
it's almost better to be offensive off the break because you become evolved into the environment. So the people in which that would be offended by you are already not going to mess with you. So they're not hearing what you have to say. And then you can kind of build up an audience that's respective of your perspective. Well, you know, it's, but it's not just being offensive because I agree with that part, but it's making sure you've built something so that when you become offensive, right, yeah. you 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 right. have that other thing to support you. And there's that as well. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's the second part to it. Yeah. Yeah, to be uncancelable or right. pandemic. There you go. It's yeah. like, okay, kick me off of this, then I'll just go to that. Or I learn the rules and I kind of know like, hey, I'll put this little bit here. And then for my, my real hot joint, subscribe to my podcast, go on my website, so on and so forth. Understanding how to play the game. But it's like, if you are if you don't understand that, you just come in. Look, I want to talk about something right quick. So you had these people. <laughs> oh, this is a perfect example. Perfect example. Did you hear about the girl who got, um, who was on Twitter? And she was talking about how she lived in the U.S. And all she was struggling, this black girl. And she decided on a whim to her and her girlfriend pick up and move to Bali. Yep. Yes. She moved, yeah, I heard she about moved that. to Bali on a temporary thing and decided it was so beautiful and her money went so far that they decided to stay. And they were supposedly LGBTQ friendly. Oh, and, they were, and they were, yeah. And Bali is, oh man, the black community, all black people need to come to Bali. Ooh, 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 uh, 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 all this stuff, right? And then, not if you want to learn how to do what I did, how to get how, get to Bali during COVID, and this is what you can do. These are the people you can go to. Buy my book for thirty. How to circumvent? Because the main sticking point: how to circumvent all of the Bali restrictions, which is why the next yes. thing you're going to say took place. Do you know this girl on Saturday posted that joint on Sunday? Was deported. <laughs> it wasn't on Sunday, but it was certainly it was it once it won seven days late. Really, I didn't even know she got deported. Yeah, she just yeah. got deported. She, her, and her girlfriend got deported. They got booted out of Bali so fast for trying to finesse the system. I'm bringing this up to say this. <laughs> you know what you're doing is not right. You built, and I'm pointing to the camera, even though this is a podcast. You know you built your your career, your your life, how you're moving on sand, on faulty ground, and going on the days where you just continue to finesse people off of that, off of that trifling behavior, and have a career, have a job. You might be able to get away with stuff here and there, but at some point in time, especially now with social media, social look, look. The internet always wins. It's a Mexican standoff. It's an atomization of society. It's a breaking down. People are being held accountable. And so she could have got away with that 10 years ago, 15 right. years ago, when you, you just post that on the blog and send out some emails. But you can't get away with that now. You put that on Twitter, people will respond with the swiftness. Because here's the thing. Them people in Bali, they got Twitter accounts too. Yes. It's not just people in the U.S. Yes, queen. Ooh. Yeah, well, let's just, my best life. let's just go ahead and uh, drop some horns for a uh, shout out. Shout out to Bali. Shout you out to the government of Bali. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Give, you 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 gotta move in a completely different way. She could have. She could have kept that joint on the low low. She could have put that information behind the paywall. I bet you, if she put it on Patreon, she'd still be in Bali to this day. You're right about that. Well, yeah, and AJ, you said 
you said uh, props to the government of um, of, uh, of Bali, but I think, you know, considering the reaction, it was probably the government of Indonesia, the largest, largest uh, conservative Muslim country on earth. Okay, well, hey, look, said, look, look, look. And then, Shout out and to then Indonesia. Also, also consider this very quickly, as I know we're wrapping this up. Also consider this. See, because we, like, us as black people, a lot of times, like, we just, we love the finesse and we got a clout chase. And always shall the two meet. <laughs> The finesse and the clout chase. Always shout it to me. She posted a photo of the black and Bali community. So that means like, they, they, they gonna come and get all of them. Yeah, all of them gonna get the smoke. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, you, I, what are you doing? Putting everybody putting everybody on blast. That's what she's doing. <laughs> Inadvert- yeah, inadvertently. Inadvertently because she's because they're so thirsty and they don't like to listen to people. And, and just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Just because you can, can do all of these things in your 20s doesn't necessarily mean you should be doing all these things in your 20s. Not to turn this into an ageism thing, just more experiential and wisdom and, you know, all of that. Just because you can do all this stuff, build yourself up like a celebrity father, celebrity blueprint does not mean that it is the most expedient thing to do. So that that's actually a good point. And, and you know, you know, as we get ready to wrap up today, I think that what what A just said is is apropos is that just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should. Listen, there's probably a lot of people who are listening who say, listen, I just got a regular little church pastor, man. He's not doing any of this celebrity stuff. Or you might be a church leader listening saying, yo, I don't even do what y'all talking about. What are you on? Like, like what, what are y'all on right now? And we may say, yeah, you don't do those things, but the way in which the structure that you're building is built is exactly the same. Right. And that's just because you don't misuse it. Great. I'm glad. Like we're all, you know, we're all thrilled. I got a lot of great things in churches. I'm not here to knock any church. Listen, I I got a lot of great things from churches. That that still does not mean the the structure on which they're built Mm. doesn't need to be course corrected. Right. And this is all we're talking about is a course correction because times and seasons change. And because times and seasons change, we don't want to be found holding a bunch of cassette tapes when everybody got CD players, right? Or or holding a, a bunch of DVDs when everybody else has Blu-ray. That's what's going on right now. We're yeah. standing around with eight track when everybody else has already moved on. So when you're when yeah. you tell people we need you to do this, we need you to do that, but they're not working or their work has been significantly hampered. Right. Or they're trying to virtually teach their children or I mean, just all type of stuff. Or they may have already caught covid and going through medical stuff like on top of all of that. Then here we come. Hey, you need to give us some money for this church. It's like we have to be wise as serpents, but as innocent as doves in this season. So. Anyway, guys, we we do thank you all for rocking with us. Yes. Thank you so much. We hope next week. You know, you come on back. We're, we're going to wrap this up with a really good interview, just tying up this whole church and money thing because we, we want to look at it from a holistic point, but also looking at it very sober, sober minded. All right. I think COVID is making us have to look at this from a sober minded perspective because a lot of churches are struggling financially because people aren't giving and they may have to close. There may have to be a lot of church closings. Right. Storefronts can't pay rent. And other things, right? So we have to look at this very soberly. So listen, whether we're talking about church and their money, whether we're talking about black folks getting kicked out of Bali, 
<laughs> or whether we talk about dudes that don't want to be Christian rappers no more. You know, we always going to keep God in the mix. So, for A Sizzle and Eva, this is your boy. They saying peace. Peace, peace, peace. Sunday rap hard, sit on no fun in their squad.